Hey, what's up, everybody? This is JC, pastor of Olive Church. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Please don't forget to share our audios. God bless you. Today's topic is called the origin of harvest. Origin meaning where did it begin? Where did it start? Okay, where did harvest start? Because the Bible says that we will rip what we sow. You agree? We're going to read a little bit about it. Now, what is it that we're doing with our lives? What are we sowing in people? What have people sowed in us, right? Well, guess what? You have a choice. We have to choose sometimes from the seeds that we receive. Amen? So real quick, let's go to the library of books. Boom, this is the Bible. How many books in the Bible? 66. Two major divisions, which are? Old Testament, New Testament, right? It's divided by different books, right? We have the books of the law, the books of history in the Bible. We have the letters, book of prophets, gospels, prophecy, prophetic history, history. It's all here. Today we're going to be talking about the book of Galatians, which is down there, right? It's one of the letters. And the author was Paul. We talked about it last Sunday, remember? So today we're doing the second part of this very important book. It's very short, only six chapters, but it teaches you so much. Amen? So are we ready to learn today? Yeah. All right. So the context of the book of Galatians talks about how Paul had this argument with the church of Galatia. And the argument was that the church was getting a little religious, a little old school, you know? And they were accepting people that were going into the church and learning from the new covenant of Christ, right? But they said, if you want to follow the church, you need to be circumcised, like the Jewish people. But Paul was so angry at that, that he started talking to them and writing in this letter, telling them what is the reasons of the law. In reality, they were talking about salvation. These people were saying that you, you have to do an action in order for you to be saved. But the word of God says that salvation is by grace. Amen. It's a gift. Look at the person next to you and tell them, don't worry. Don't worry. Even, though Even though you mess up all the time, you are forgiven. I'll see you in heaven. Right? No, I'm not saying you're dying today. No. Okay. No, you're not. Don't get scared. Right? It's a gift. Amen. Amen? It's a gift. God gives us a gift. And Paul, in the entire book of Galatians, he was trying to explain this gift. He was trying to tell them, you know what? Uh, it is wrong what you're teaching. It's the wrong way. That's the old covenant from the law. Right? So Paul was, he was very passionate in this book, talking to the people of uh, Galatia about the gift of salvation. And how important it is, right? And he was saying that we needed to work on ourselves, right? That we needed to help other people that have been hurt by sin. Anybody here been hurt by sin? Right? Now let me ask you a better question. Have you hurt someone by sin? Right? I think we all have. We all have. Including me, right? You look at my rap sheet, it's going to go all the way to the door promise you. I have the longest tail you can step on, right? 
If you know people that know me from the past, they're going to say, that's your pastor? Hijuela, don't listen to that guy. You know what I mean? But again, the word of God does transformation. Amen? He transforms. Why does he use people that live a sinful life to transform? What's the reason? And it's simple. Because he wants to glorify himself in you. Amen? That's the reason he wants that transformation, that change. Amen? So real quick, go to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, from 1 to 10. All right, let's start reading. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Right? So if you're walking in God, if you're walking in ministry, if you're willing to serve God, if you're willing to learn, right, that means you have the authority You have the power to help someone who is walking in what? In sin, right? And then it says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Does this mean that we can be contaminated? Absolutely. So do we have to be careful? Yes. Yes. Look at the person next to you and tell them this. Did you know know. that you need to influence people? You cannot be weak and be influenced by people. Amen? So it doesn't matter who you talk to, who are your friends. What matters is how you impact those people. Amen? You are a leader. You're not a follower. Amen? The only person you follow is who? Jesus himself. Amen? Christ himself, his word. And this is how we become of influence, of impact to other people. Amen? And then it says, it says this. Share each other's burden, and in this way, Obey the law of Christ. The law of who? Does it say Moses? It says who? Christ. And then verse 3, it says, If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Right? So in other words, it's kind of like telling you, be humble. Humble down, right? Don't be judging people. Right? There's uh, uh, Some of us, you know, get too legalistic. We've tend to follow the law of Moses, and sometimes we begin to judge people. You know, when you hear a preacher talking about you, 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 and you do this and you do that, I expect this, I want this, then you're getting into a church that is legalistic. And sooner than later, you will start feeling condemned. And this is why our youth leave our churches, because they feel they don't fit in. You know, we do the opposite here. We do what Christ do. Amen? Verse 4, it says, Pay careful attention to your what? Own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. So is there satisfaction in Christ? Absolutely, right? It's a good kind of pride. And then it says, And you will need to compare yourself to anyone else. This means that Christ will give you identity. And you don't need to be copying anybody else. You hear me? You know how many people hide behind different masks because they don't have an identity? You know, they hide behind a mask of a singer, maybe of a, of a Hollywood actor, right? Maybe of somebody they really admire or, or they want to be like, you know? But God says that that's not necessary. You have your own identity. Amen? And through Christ, you will get that promise. And then it says, verse 5, for we are each... Responsible for our own what? Conduct. Conduct. What does this mean? 
that our behavior, right, has to be in our hands. In other words, what we do, right, what we do is our own decision. You agree? What we do is our own choice. Have you, do, you know, do you know anybody that, example, life is going really bad for them, but they blame other people for their lives? You know anybody like that? Right? And guess what? And that is due, that is due to a mentality of scarcity. That is due to, to someone that has not understood yet a relationship with God or maybe has never had a relationship with God. Amen? And then it says, it says, verse 6, it says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Amen to that. That's self-explanatory. And then verse 7, it says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Right? So whatever we sow, we will rip. You hear me? And last week I said, if you sow oranges, what are you going to get? If you sow apples, what are you going to get? If you sow problems, what are you going to get? Problems. If you sow drama, what are you going to get? If you sow gossip, what are you going to get? Exactly. Right? If you, sh- if you sow bitterness, what are you going to get? Bitterness. So whatever we sow, we will rip. Amen? And then it says, verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will have his decay and what? Death from that sinful nature. And then it says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from what? The Spirit. In other words, if we sow heavenly food from heaven, guess what you're going to get? Heavenly food. You're going to get blessings in return. Amen? Because guess what? God doesn't keep anything. He returns it to you. Amen? So every time you bless someone, you get blessed. And there's so many ways of blessing people. Amen? So many ways of blessing people. And then it says this. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Right? Don't get tired of doing what's good. Amen. Look at the person next to you and tell them this. We cannot get tired of blessing others. We need to battle the good fight of faith. Amen. Always, always, always. And then it says this. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, see, God gives us opportunities to bless other people. Amen. He gives you an opportunity to bless other people. And it says this. We should do good to who? Wait, wait a minute. Does it say to the person that treats you good? Does it say that your boss that is kind of bossy with you? That's what? I didn't hear no. I only heard like two. All right, let me say it again. Does it say your boss that doesn't treat you good? Oh, yo otra vez. All right, let me say it again. Do you bless, you don't bless your boss that doesn't treat you good? Ah, right. We have to bless them. Amen? I have to say it in a different way. Especially in those the family of faith. Now look at the person next to you, or actually look at someone you don't know and tell them this. 
I am ready to bless you. Amen? Right? Especially the people of God, especially the people from church. Amen? So these days, we have been categorized, they have been categorized as happy moments to spend time with family. You agree? It's Christmas, right? So we are almost forced to live and do what everyone else does, right? Because some of us can spend money and some of us can't spend money. And you kind of feel sad when you can't, you know? So we shop here, we shop there. You know, we all get ready for Christmas. Some of us plan a get-together with family and friends. Who does that? Right? Christmas Eve, right? Christmas Eve. And then, and then I wrote, it says, but the problem is that somehow we are not happy with how we feel. So even though we get together, we still don't feel happy for some reason, for some odd reason. So these days is when we have the higher risk of suicide in the nation. Did you know that? This is the time when suicide is high risk. These days is when we have um, the busiest day for funeral homes. Did you know that? I work for funerals, so I know. And then, sadly, it is true. And this is due to the high levels of depression, anxiety, sadness, due to loneliness. Uh, look at the person next to you and tell them, have you ever felt lonely? Right? Loneliness leads to bitterness and anger. Anger gets us away from those who we love. Right? And that leads us to more loneliness, which can lead to depression. I'll say it again. Loneliness leads us to bitterness and anger. Anger gets us away from those we love, which leads us to more loneliness, which can lead to depression. This is true. In the beginning, what was sown into us we sow it into somebody else. So we have to make a choice. Now, do you know people that are really good at making friends in the long run, but later on, they discard them? Do you know anybody like that? People that, they're really good at making friends, but later on, they end up getting angry at them, and they push them aside, and they don't talk to them anymore. Do you know anybody like that? Well, this is due to bitterness and pride. It keeps us from fixing the problems. So during this time of the year, this is when we have the highest rate of suicide. This is when most people live a lonely, lonely life. And some people get together. They have friends right from work or family, and they're, they're together, but still they feel lonely. Now look at the person next to you and tell them this. Sometimes, you can be around people, but still feel lonely. Is this true? Do you know anybody that has ever felt like that? Of course. Well, someone who is bitter doesn't care for others. So this loneliness will get us bitter and angry. Now, ask yourself, have you ever felt bitter? Right? Now, let's see. Let's see the list. 
A bitter person, they get mad at who? Everyone. Not just with one person. Somebody who is bitter gets mad at one person, and they're mad with everyone. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me right now. You know anybody like that? Right? They get mad at someone, and that person doesn't know. So they get mad at the person, right? They're mad at everyone, but the person they're mad at, they don't know. Right? Because the bitterness consumes them. And they get so angry that they'd rather not tell that person anything. Right? And then it says, they don't let go of the situation they hold grudges. There's people that live for years mad at someone else. The years pass and they're mad at someone else. Right? And it's hard for them to let go of that angerness, of that, that being angry, that bitterness, right? And you say, oh, she's going to go to the party? I'm not going to the party. <laughs> that person's going to be there for the Christmas? Uh, no way. Posada ni que nada, right? No way. He goes, I don't go. He goes, and it's on. We're going to scrap, right? She goes, don't take me. Don't take me if she's going to be there, right? And we hold these grudges against people. A bitter person think it's all about them. You know, somebody is talking in a corner, and the bitter person walks by, they're like, are they talking about me? Right? I want, let me see. Are they talking about me? Right? Why are you laughing? You're talking about me, huh? Right? Somebody that's bitter thinks that it's all about them. That the problem people have, it's because of them. And they want to get in there. They complain constantly. You know anybody like that? Right? They, um, they are negative about everything. A constant complaint. Com complaining about everything and anything. And there's always someone that does something wrong. Right? There's always someone that does something wrong to them. And they're negative about absolutely everything. Work. Negative about family, about friends. Negative about things that come in other way. Always negative. They are jealous of other success and they feel envy. You know, we know people like that. There is people like that. They seek attention or they seclude from others in anger. So it's two extremes. Someone that seeks attention all the time needs to be the light of the party or they seclude themselves. It's because they have bitterness inside, right? And then they won't take advice. They victimize often and blame others. You try to talk to a person that is bitter, they'll push you away. They'll push you. They'll have tears in their eyes. They'll be so sad and so angry that they'll push you away. They won't take advice from no one. You know, a bitter person does that. They constantly victimize themselves. They feel like a victim. Oh, you know, they hurt me. They hurt me so much. And every time, it's always a problem with them because I just can't stand them. Right? And they're always right. I'm wrong all the time. And we start complaining and complaining, victimizing ourselves. We start blaming other people. Oh, it's because of them. It is your fault. It is your fault. It's their fault. They made me do it because of what they did, I did it. 
You know, and we start blaming other people. They won't congratulate others. They won't hug and they won't greet. Somebody who is bitter is afraid to go and hug someone because they think they might get a reaction from them. You know, a good reaction. Right? So once we get to try and hug someone, right, that person's bitter, it's going to run away from you. Or they don't take the initiative to go and do that. Or smile. Right? It's a good morning. It's a good morning for you. But that person is having a bad morning. And you kind of go around them because you're afraid, you know, you start walking on eggshells. Right? Do you know anybody like that? They talk gossip. And they talk about others. They pick fights. They argue back. Somebody who is bitter is constantly arguing back. And you know who this happens to most of the time? Teenagers. When a teenager is bitter, it's because they cannot do whatever they want. Right? The parents will say, this is the way it's supposed to be. And the teenager will throw a tantrum and argue back. You know what I mean? Because they begin to get bitter. The bitter stick with each other and later hate each other. Right? This is true. The people that are bitter will always make their little group a little click. And it's them two, then three, then four. And God forbid. Right? But then later on, they end up in, in trouble. They end up getting angry at each other. And they're always gossiping about each other. Right? So all these reasons are why they can't hold our relationship for long periods of time. The years pass. And they will fill their heart with pride. The person uh, that they are mad probably dies. And they won't care for them at all. Or the family. They cry at night feeling bad. But their pride won't allow them to call or to look for the person to mend things and settle. Pride comes in. And when that pride starts attacking the person, it's very hard for them to accept that they're wrong. Somebody who is bitter becomes selfish in the heart. You know anybody like that, right? There's many people like that. And guess what? Sometimes we get to be like that too. Now look at the person next to you and tell them this. Be serious, right? And say, be careful, tell them. Because bitterness is contagious. Be careful. Someone can, sow Someone can sow seeds of bitterness in your heart. This is true. So all through our lives, we have been receiving seeds of bitterness, and we don't even know it. If we think that we're right all the time, if we think nobody can talk to you, if we start to think and taking things with offense, and we get offended easy, it's very difficult for us to deal with these kind of people. Because they're constantly angry. They're constantly battling themselves. Right? And this comes from, from the past, from a long time ago, sometimes from family. So there's people that we love or that like being with that um, kind of people, that kind of, that kind of bitterness people, and live 
of problems and mediocrity and that listen to nobody, not even you. Some of us love to hang around these people. We just love it. We love drama. We are so, what's the word? Addicted to drama. That we have these kind of friends and we hang around them. And we have to be in some sort of drama in order for us to be alive. We love to feel mediocre. And someone that is bitter can make us feel like that constantly. But you know what? We, uh, but you have a choice. You have a choice. And I'm not saying stay away from them. What I'm saying is that you should impact the person that is feeling like that. And guess what? And if it's you who's feeling like that, when we have to do something about it, we have to choose what to do. We have to notice these people make us feel so guilty that it's hard for us to stay away from. And it is hard for us to say no to them. The problem is that we start becoming like them. Another characteristic of a bitter person is that they curse a lot. And a symptom that we are being contaminated by bitterness is that we begin to curse just like they do. That's how you know you're being contaminated, you know? If we begin to pray, if we pray at home, we, we pray for our kids, and then we go to work and we start cussing around with everybody else, then that's showing that they're impacting you and you're not impacting them. And I'll tell you what, when we cause an impact in Christ, at first they'll probably reject you. And they'll say, you're the weird one. Right? You're Mr. Holy. You probably walk on water. Right? But sooner than later, when they have a problem, guess who they come to? You. And sooner than later, your life in Christ will begin to impact their life. But it takes example. We should never be afraid of doing that, of being an example in Christ. See, the enemy is very slick. He will come in our hearts through someone else's seeds. Next thing you know, we get mad at everyone. We stop talking to people. We come home and our wife, our husbands, pay for how others make us feel. The worst part is that we sow those seeds in them. We punish those we love. Some of us have been sown seeds of bitterness since we were children. Those seeds have been growing since 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. And now our children are eating the fruit that we bear due to bitterness. Whatever we have since before, then we bring it up now uh, in, in our marriages. The majority of our problems in our marital life is due to the seeds of others have sown in us. Seeds of the present and especially seeds from the past. What I'm trying to say with this is when there's a husband and a wife and there's problems in between them, I'll tell you this. 90% of the time the problems we bring together as husband and wives is due to our seeds of bitterness from the past. 
In other words, we bring our childhood problems to our marriage life. Our lack of character, our lack of identity, our bitterness, our anger, our loneliness, our abandonment, our rejection, we bring it up to, the, to our adult life. And that's how we fight with. Next thing you know, divorce. Next thing you know, married again and then divorced again. And how many failures are we going to keep having until we understand that this is a problem of seeds, of harvesting what we sowed, what people sowed, sowed in us too. So we have a choice. And that choice is to cast these seeds, pay attention to what was sown into us so we won't bring that seed back and sow it back to someone we love. We are very prone to do that. If we get abandoned when we were growing up by mom, maybe dad, right? In any way, good way or bad way, guess what we're going to do? We're going to abandon someone later on. If we get rejected by someone in our life, that impact, that rejection impact our lives, guess what we're going to do later on? We're going to start rejecting too. And see, these seeds will bring bitterness to the life of people. Again, the worst part is that our children begin to eat that. And once they begin to eat that, they're going to grow to do the same thing that happened to us. Whatever was sown into us, we will sow into them, and they will sow into those people they love. This is the reason why sometimes we feel sad and we don't even know why. We get up from, from bed, and we're thinking, what's wrong with me? I feel depressed today. I feel like nobody can talk to me. I don't want to get out of my house today. I don't want to talk to anybody today. Can we get a band up here? You know, and then we go out there, and however we feel, we make other people feel. So the seeds of I don't know what I feel, we go and sow it to somebody else. You know, I was telling a couple last night that we have to see the cosmovision of everything. The cosmovision is the frame of our lives. We need to see our lives in the big picture. Not just the problem, the little detail. The little detail is what gets us in problems. In order for us to fix that little detail, first we need to see the big cosmovision of our lives. Once we see our big picture, then we're able to target these little problems and push them out of our lives. We have to make room for the seeds of the Word of God into our lives. We have so much bitterness in us and so much anger that we're very good at hiding it then how do we expect to, to live a good Christmas, to, to spend a good time with family? And I'll tell you what, you don't need money. You don't need money. You don't need gifts to have a good time. All you need is the love and the peace that you can project to them. But the reason we can't is because we're bitter. We're angry. 
within another Christmas without gifts. And then you put yourself down. Because the seeds of bitterness are growing. Well, no wonder we can't have a good Christmas. No wonder we can't have, you know, a good time together with family. Because we're constantly angry. We are bitter. We don't even know why we feel the way we feel. But God, in our minds, in our heart, tells us that it's time to forgive those who have hurt us. We need to beat the habits of bitterness and forgive as soon as someone offends us. Otherwise, we will end up hurting and contaminating those we love. Look at the person next to you and tell them this. In order for you to have peace in your life, you need to forgive those who offend us. Amen? Peace is acquired through forgiveness. Again, look at the big picture. Don't look at the detail. That's not the problem. The problem is what's happening. What kind of seeds were sown into that? Right? And guess what? We have the responsibility to break our own chains. Do you hear me? We have the responsibility to break our own chains. How? Forgiveness. Through forgiveness. We need to go back to the past and forgive and ask for forgiveness from those who hurt. And this is to really acquire peace. Peace is the element of a perfect get-together. Look at the person next to you and tell them this. Peace is the element to acquire peace. Let's look at the last slide real quick. And I want you to pay attention to this one. Let's read it. The most important element in any relationship is what? Peace. To achieve peace, there must be forgiveness. True forgiveness has two paths. Repent and ask for forgiveness and humble yourself to forgive. Don't expect for somebody to come and say, forgive me for hurting you. Forgive and also forget. Amen? We have to acquire that humbleness. Let me ask a question real quick. Who is here ready to put bitterness aside and start new today? If you're ready, come to the front. Me and the team of prayers want to pray for you. Again, thank you for listening. Please stay tuned for new content every week. God bless.